0: That's swipe spelled with the Y, or contact us at 1 800 597 0713. Don't forget to let us know that Jesse E. Canty sent you. Have a blessed day. Hey, this is Jesse Canty with another episode of How Bad Do You Want It? You know, they say if you can survive in New York, you can make it anywhere. But I got one better for you. If you can survive in the church, Surround around Pharisees and Sadducees, then you can survive anywhere. I got one for you. It's called How Do You Move in a Room Full of Vultures. Let's go. Yeah, man. Man of wisdom. Man of wisdom. From the pulpit to the podcast. From the pulpit to the podcast. To the podcast. Yeah. How you all doing on this blessed day? This is episode number 27. And yeah, man, I'm ready to get into this thing. I'm calling this, Lord, I'm going to say the full title, Lord, teach me. Whew. Let me reach down deep when I say that. Lord, teach me how to move in a room full of vultures. This is episode number 27. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring this word. It's powerful. Lead me, guide me. Put a watch on my tongue. Lead me to say what you want me to say. Help me not to say what you don't want me to say. And more important, let me say it in the right spirit and in the right way that the church may be edified and you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You got to pray a prayer like that because I want the intentions to be pure. I don't have any hidden agendas. I don't have anybody in mind. I'm not throwing no shade at all. I'm speaking truth. If it's not from my experience, it's at least from the word of God. How do you move in a room full of vultures? Now, yes, this was a statement that was made popular. I don't think he started those statements, but it was made popular through a rapper called Jay-Z. He said that on his album, I wasn't a Jay-Z fan. I don't remember him saying it, but until I went back and started studying, I know I heard it somewhere and I heard him say that and I said I thought that title was very profound. How do you move, so mine is Lord, I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to teach me how to move in a room full of vultures. This is something that the Lord began to um mature as a word within my spirit some months ago. Never spoke this word at all, but this was something that was that was that was kept Uh, stirring in my spirit and God began to give me application through the word of God that a room. How do you move in a room full of vultures? And I'm going to break it down and show you what it means as a statement and then show you how it was uh, displayed through the word of God. More importantly, in the life of Christ. All right. So watch this now. So first of all, we'll start off top and say, what, what are vultures? Uh, without getting into it, because I am like Solomon, uh, not only I love wisdom, but Solomon was also a zoologist. Uh, Solomon could say something to you like, go to the ant you sluggard. He would talk about snakes moving uh, without legs. He would talk, you know, upon rocks. He knew about these things. So he didn't just know about scripture. But he, he loved to study uh, the study of uh, zoologists of animals. So I could go on and on about the facts of vultures that I've studied and, and how vultures can lay on with us and how it goes along with some of the scriptures in the Bible. Uh, but that's not I want to get I don't want to get lost in that. But what what the what the vultures are, they are birds of prey. That scavengers, first of all, they're birds of prey, P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y. That means their intention. I love to play on words. And if you know your Bible good enough, you will also understand that sometimes a lot of times when Jesus spoke, he did a play on words. Yeah, I know you don't really read this, and you don't, you don't recognize it in King James, but once you start studying Greek and Hebrew, he would use play on words sometime that when he would speak really to the intelligent people, they would understand that he's using a play on words. I also believe that when you, we talk about the P-R-E-Y, how we can use that as a play on words. People who should be praying with you, people who should be P R A Y I N G for you but they are actually p-r-e-y-i-n-g on you they are preying on you vultures are birds of prey that scavengers. that mean that they really doesn't find their own food they're just looking for anything else they're looking for opportunities to feast on something and if you had to interpret this spiritually, and I'm going to show you how here now. What is a room full of vultures? They are birds of prey. P r e y. These are people who prey on you. They're 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 trying to devise your downfall. Now I said at my opening, if you can survive in New York, you can survive anywhere. But I've always said, being a church boy, a PK kid, pastor's kid, if you can survive in the church. And I don't want to spend 30 minutes to show you how the church can be ruthless. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not throwing the church overboard. I love them and et cetera. But let me tell you something. I have experienced my biggest hurts. I have never cried in the street like I cried in the church. I have never been hurt in my feelings and merely and felt alone and felt unloved in the church like I felt. I've never felt that way in the world like I felt in the church. It is some ruthless people and some ruthless spirits that goes on in the church, not only in my experience, but when I pick up my my Bible and I began to study the life of Jesus, he shows me the same thing. It was the church folks that killed Jesus. Now, we know Jesus, no man take my life. I, I, I give it up myself. And if I lay it down, then I pick it back up. We know at the end of the day, it was his destiny to die. But nobody betrayed Jesus or hurt Jesus or troubled Jesus or tried to trip Jesus up or tried to demise Jesus' downfall like the church. They was called the Pharisees, Sadducees, And dare not you forget about them Herodians. These are religious people who tries to trip up Jesus. I don't have time to go through every time where Jesus would speak something to the people, trying to do good, praying for the people. And the Sadducees, Pharisees, and sometimes Herodians would try to twist his word and pray on Jesus. P-R-E-Y. They are equivalent to vultures, which are birds of prey. Uh, that scavengers, they don't have anything going on for themselves. You should be pursuing your destiny, but you're not pursuing your destiny. Destiny, you're trying to mess with somebody else who's pursuing their destiny. I don't know what it is that they was dropped when you was young, or you just felt unloved, and you never heard nobody prophesy over your life. But for some reason, it's vultures that cannot go find their own food. They are looking to scavenge off somebody else's food. They don't have nothing going on in their life, so they're gonna be held in high water in your life. They're gonna try to disturb you. They're gonna try to talk you out of what you're doing. You just want to sing a song on the third Sunday, and they criticize criticizing what you got on, and they're criticizing who you're living with. They, criticize, they dig digging all in your life and in your past because vultures do not eat off of anything that's alive. They wait for it to die, and they want to, they, they birds that eat off carrions, which means they feast off of dead issues. I've never seen as many Pharisees and Sadducees who will arise up in the church, even modern day Pharisees and Sadducees, who will always try to bring up your past or show you what you did in your past that's covered under the blood, aka is dead under the cross, and they're always trying to fight you with something that they know to despise you or to discourage you to not do what God called you to do. My friend, they are vultures, and they was in Jesus' day, and they are in the day now. Even John the Baptist, when he came down to begin to do the work of the Lord, he looked up and said, you brood of vipers. Let me see where I got that at. He told him, brood of vipers. He called them deceptive. He told him, who warned you? And I'm paraphrasing because I'm top of my head. He said, who warns you? Why are you trying to flee? Who warned you, you brood of vipers? The brood of vipers means this. He said he called them, which means you're a family of snakes. This is what John the Baptist, even Jesus got the Pharisees and the Sadducees told. He called them different names. So don't tell me I shouldn't be calling them vultures. He called them snakes. He says, you're a brood of vipers. You are a family of snakes. And the reason why Jesus called them, John the Baptist called them a family of snakes, he said, because number one, you are venomous and you have deadly intentions. You're not here to help the kingdom of God. You're not here to help the work that I'm doing. You're not there to help somebody pursue their destiny. You are there to be venomous and cause death and cause destruction and cause failure upon anything that's moving towards its destiny. You are a family of snakes, Pharisees, Sadducees. He can preach on a mountain for three days and you will find something that he says and try to try to corner him and disagree openly with something he says this is what going on was going on in Jesus day so when you have vultures you have people that the enemy use now understand this I want to say this too uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood now We wrestle not against flesh and blood, so our fight is not against flesh and blood, but understand that the enemy, and I'm going to give you scripture here too, uh, that the enemy will come against you to try to fight you. You have not seen any resistance like a church spirit, a Sadducee spirit, a pharisaical spirit that tries to stop you from doing what God told you to do. Sometimes the church loves to overwrite Override its boundaries. And we try to curse people or discourage people from doing what God called them to do because we got an opinion about what they look like or whatever the situation may be. Listen to Matthew chapter 12. So when we say, teach me how to move in a room full of vultures, that means God. I'm not wishing death upon nobody, but I need you. To show me how to handle my Pharisees and these Sadducees. They would question Jesus about the resurrection. They would question Jesus about who should marry. These are the people when everybody else sitting there receiving the word, they would find little things and try to twist him. Their spirits was revealed. Now listen, I hear God speaking. Their spirits was revealed through their actions. God began to show us through the scripture and through their actions that these Pharisees was not on the side of Jesus. There was a side there to do the work of the enemy right next to Jesus. I heard somebody say, keep your enemies, keep your friends close and your enemies closer," something like that. You need, you need to know where who your enemies are. When you are literally walking in a room full of vultures, that means their eyes are dedicated and committed on you. They are drawn to carry on to things that are dead. So what they want to do, they want to stop life flowing through you. They want to stop you from living. They want to stop you from moving. They want to stop you from thriving. They want to stop you from growing and all eyes are on you. You are the living thing in the room and they will hover and they will go in circles and they will wait until you die and do whatever they can do to help make you dead. Watch this now. Listen to Matthew chapter 12. Verse number one. Is this the one? Let me see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I want to make sure this is the right scripture. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Sorry for that. Matthew chapter 12, verse number nine. This is the man with the withered hand. They're religious spirits, y'all. They try to stop Jesus from preaching uh, from 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 eating on the on the Sabbath day. I mean, every time Jesus did something, it was the religious people who tried to stop him. Whew, let me let the word speak for itself. Verse number nine. Listen to this. And when he, this is Jesus, when and when he was departed, thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, is it law for the hill on the Sabbath day? that they might accuse him. He came into their church setting and there lies somebody who's sick. They should have had the power and the care to heal that man. But Jesus came in their church setting and their man sitting there sick and they're going to say, isn't it lawful to heal on a Sabbath day? You care nothing about this man being healed. All you care about is religious rules so that they may have had a hidden agenda, accuse Jesus. All they want to do is trap Jesus. There are some people who are committed to exposing you, who are committed to discouraging you. I wish I had a more encouraging word to give you on this episode, but I have to just come. I've been holding on this thing. I've been sitting on this word, a man says Christmas. So around December time, and I have to release this. Verse 11, and he said unto them, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? This is what Jesus said. And it fall into a pit on the Sabbath, and he not lay hold on it and lift it out. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath? Jesus broke them off something proper. Jesus said, Wait a minute, hold on. Y'all worrying about the Sabbath? What if a man had a sheep and he fell into a hole, ditch, and he went and got them out? Is it not lawful to do well on the Sabbath for a sheep? Jesus silently rebuked them and said, you care more about your Sabbath day and religious rules and who's right or wrong, or how you can accuse me, than you care about the man who's been sitting in you in the presence of your church for years with the sickness. Good gracious, <laughs> listen to verse thirteen. I didn't listen to this. I'm gonna let the word speak for itself. Then Jesus, excuse me. Then said he to the man, stretch forth thy hand. He stretched it forth and it was restored whole like as the other. The church should have started giving God praise. They started, here's somebody who was sick in your presence, somebody you should care about. He probably was their deacon. He probably was somebody who's been a blessing to them. I bet you he was a tither. Because in the church that I know of, churches that I know of, if you ain't a tither, they ain't going to they, they gonna put you in the back. <laughs> so here you got this guy got healed. Everybody should have been giving God glory. But listen to verse 14. Then those religious spirits, the Pharisees, went out and held A swarming, circling council. That's me adding to it in a way of talking about vultures. But let me tell you what it says. says, They went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. Now, watch this because the answer is going to show you through the word of God how do you move in a room? full of virtues, when you know that you're surrounded around people, religious, that do not support you, in fact, they don't want to support you, they want to see death to you in the name of Jesus. They want to see death to what you're doing in the name of Jesus. They want to see death to anything that your future calls for you and your destiny in the name of Jesus. You know why I say in the name of Jesus? Because It's religious. They tend to think they're biting you on behalf of God and what they're doing is fighting what God is doing on your behalf. The Pharisees went out and they secretly held a council against him. This can be known sometimes as intercessor, intercessory. Some people that say they're praying for you, they are praying on you. I grew up in church. I knew what I know what it's like as a little boy to hear the intercessory team pray. I'm talking about as a little boy now. I've heard the intercessory team prayer, pray pray. I remember being in one place. I can call the name of this church and the intercessory team. I was young, and the intercessory team. In that, now that I know of, because I'm older, they wasn't praying for that pastor. They was praying on that pastor. How you go into a circle of people and start saying the word that was spoken through him? And I know he meant well, but it wasn't right. How can you openly backstab and call yourself interceding on behalf of the man of God? This is equivalent to what the verse says in verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against them how they might destroy him. I'm not twisting anything. It's the Pharisees that did this. It's the Sadducees that did this. It's the religious vultures. It's the religious, to be in context, the religious vipers, venomous, bad intentions. It's, it's, it's true. It's how they desire to destroy Jesus. How did Jesus respond when he realized he was surrounded around vipers, when he realized he was surrounded around a family of vipers, and when he realized in this context he was surrounded around vultures? Verse 15 tells you how Jesus handled it and how you should handle it. But when Jesus knew it, When you realize, when it has been manifested that you are fighting against Pharisees and Sadducees who are preying on you, and they have no care in the world to love you or help you, he withdrew himself from them, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Let me tell you something. Verse 15 is a power keg if you go back and read it yourself. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 15, it really shows you how you are to move in a room full of haters. In a And when I say room, I'm talking about in a space, in a moment where you on display and eyes are at you. And one of the biggest rooms now is social media. It can be your church service. It can be your neighborhood setting. It can be school. It can be on your job. How do you handle the vultures that hope and pray, P-R-E-Y, for your death and your demise and your failure? In fact, to go on a little bit more with scripture, it says that how they might destroy him in verse 14. When you look up the word destroy, I had to do it to make sure. It means utterly cause to fail. And it even said parentheses to die. They want you to fail. They want you to die. How did Jesus handle them when he perceived that they meant him no good? Jesus withdrew himself. You don't have to smile and grin and hang around people who know they mean you know you know they mean you no good. Jesus withdrew himself. And when he withdrew himself, he didn't start a campaign to destroy them. He didn't start his messages preaching against them. He withdrew himself. And the Bible said that the multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Which means keep focusing on the ministry that God has given you to minister to others, to help others. Now, this message had to be ministered one time because it's a question, two questions, two statements. One is a question, Lord, how do I move when I'm surrounded around haters? And I know this ain't just for me. How do you move when every movement you make is under scrutiny? How can your ministry go forth when you got some within the ministry fighting to destroy you. What do I do? Do I keep hanging around and smiling and turning the other cheek? This is not that time. You withdraw yourself and don't go after them. Stay focused on what God called you to do. Let whatever they do be within their power. You focus on doing what God called you to do. That's my friend. How you are to move when you're in a room full of vultures. How you are to move when you're surrounded around haters. How you are to move when people hope that you die. How you are to move when they're fighting tooth and nail to try to uncover you or discredit you. How you are to move when your enemies is committed to your downfall and your death and your demise. Keep your eyes on your assignment, and do what God called you to do. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this word. It was short and precise, Father. I pray that it was effective to somebody. Let the Holy Spirit guide us and keep us within the parameters of your truth. Don't let us hear anything, God, and take it further than what it should be. I pray that it was done in love and in righteousness. Thank you for the illumination of your scripture. Thank you for showing us not only our John the Baptist, but even Jesus would attack the Pharisees and the Sadducees and reveal their spirits. I pray right now, Father, that you cause our hearts to be illuminated. Give us wisdom from on high, on how to fight, how to overcome, how to conquer, and how to outlast and outlive the spiritual vultures that are praying for our demise. Let us keep moving. Teach us how to move in a room. Walk right on past and can't be touched. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, know that I love you guys. I appreciate you. I pray that this was a blessing to you. And until next time, y'all stay steady. Hey, it's Jesse Cantor, man. I wanted to just say before you listen to this podcast, thank you for taking the time to download this podcast. Listen, I need your help. If this podcast has ever been a blessing to you, drop me an email. Let me know. Give me some feedback. This podcast is heard and over. 59, over 60 countries, and over 860 cities. Drop me an email at Canty J-E-S-S-E-C-A-N-T-Y, podcast at yahoo.com. I want you to let me know how it's been a blessing to you. Maybe you want to donate. If you've been blessed by this thing, you can donate at uh, jessiecanty e. on Cash App or even Zell me, or at least pray for me. Do something to help a brother out. I want to tell you thank you again, and I hope this episode bless you.